So in 2 Peter chapter number 3, that's where we're at. Let me go ahead and read three verses of Scripture for you. We're going to start in verse number 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, if you were with us last week, we heard from Cale um, about verses 8 and 9, and how one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And that was a great message, wasn't it? I mean, that's a great Bible study. And one of the things that we learned is, is that this reference to a day in a thousand years is not just a generalization that, you know, with God, time is relative. No, it is a very specific, prophetic marker that God uses to tell us about human history. And the comparison goes all the way back to the beginning of creation where God created the heavens and the earth and everything that's on them in six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. And going back through the chronology that the scriptures give us of the genealogies, we can mark the creation of Adam and Eve in the garden at about 4,000 years before Christ, give or take a couple of years. So 4,000 B.C., Adam and Eve in the garden, 4,000 years to the time of Jesus Christ, 2,000 years now beyond that. We are 6,000 years into recorded human history. And so what we would see is that equates to six days. There is a 1,000-year period the Bible talks of frequently. We refer to it as the millennium, the 1,000-year literal kingdom of God on earth with Jesus Christ returning and reigning from his throne in Jerusalem. That is the day of the Lord. That is the subject that we're going to look at today. Verse number 10 is all we're going to look at today. A day with the Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years is as a day in verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord is without a doubt the main subject of all of God's revelation. It is the day that God sets His Son, Jesus Christ, in His rightful place, not on a cross to be ridiculed and beaten and killed and spit upon, but on a throne to rule and to reign as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is the day God's looking for. This 1,000-year kingdom, by the way, is not heaven, and it's not eternity. It's just the seventh of seven major dispensations of time of God dealing with man. It is not eternity. I have a chart that I'd like for you all to see, and I want to draw your attention to this chart. And so we modified a chart that comes from a book by a man named Clarence Larkin, and uh, there's some really good stuff. And so what you have here is a presentation that kind of gives you a good overview of the things that we have looked at in chapter 3 of 2 Peter. And so what you have is, over here is the original earth, okay, when God created Genesis 1-1. And then in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 2, we saw some time ago, 
that there is what we are calling the earth's water baptism. The earth was flooded, right? The great deeps were over everything. The earth was in the water and out of the water. We discussed that. In 2 Peter 3, it talks about the heaven and the earth that were of old. And then it talks about the heaven and the earth that are now, which ultimately will be burned up with fire, the earth's fire baptism. And then the 2 Peter, as we'll see in weeks to come, the new heaven and the new earth. So eternity past is over here and the original creation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. When did he create it? It doesn't say. How long did it take him? It doesn't say. But then it all got flooded out. And then he recreated everything in the old world, which leads to this is the days of Noah and the flood of Noah. This is the present evil world in which we live, Galatians 1.4, set on the course of this world, Ephesians 2.2, 2, by, the, by the prince of the power of the air, the devil. This big red arrow we added to this chart just to give you the idea of kind of where we're at right now. The big red arrow would represent the rapture of the church. We are in the last moments of the last days before the trumpet will sound and we will be caught up into the air, we who are believers in Jesus Christ, to meet the Lord Jesus in the air. This is not the second coming of Jesus Christ because he will return completely to the earth right here where it says the days, Olivet, Zechariah chapter 14, the days of the Son of Man. This will be the time when Christ literally makes it all the way to the earth. His feet land on the Mount of Olives and the mountain just breaks in two in the middle before him. This is the literal second coming. So we go up and about seven years later we all come back down and set up this millennial age. So the old world, the present world, and the world to come, the earth and the heavens never change throughout that entire time period. But they're going to change. They're going to be burned up. And then we will have a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem, which then go off into eternity. This is the teaching of the Scripture. The day of the Lord is a critically important event for us all to understand. Now, this picture, this subject applies to spiritual growth, which is the theme of 2 Peter, in that it motivates us to walk with God now. At least it should. And so that's the title I've given this message, The Motivation for Spiritual Growth. It is the day of the Lord. Okay, And today, based only on verse 10, we're going to look at how it starts and we're going to look at how it finishes. We're not going to spend time about the characteristics of how it, how it continues So the first motivation is point number one in your study, the urgency. The urgency, the commencement of the day of the Lord. So if the math is right, that 6,000 years of man, and it is right, by the way, then what that means is the literal second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is very, very soon. It really, really is. For us, it's the rapture of the church, but again, literally the return of Jesus Christ is, makes this message today and this subject for us very relevant, very current, right? So we read in verse number 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. He's not lazy. He's not late. He's not delaying, as some men count slackness. But why is it that He hasn't come back yet? I mean, it is 2017. It's not 2000. Well, He's long-suffering to usward. It's because he loves us. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So clearly, it is God's will that every man, woman, boy, and girl receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And God is delaying, if we want to use that terminology, 
he is going to come back when he is going to come back. It seems like it's delayed to us. But the reason we have time is because he loves you and he wants to give you time. So if you're within the sound of the voice of the word of God today, you still have time. You can still turn from your sins. You can still receive Christ as your Savior. It's not too late for you. His long-suffering and His mercy are available for you to take advantage of now because, well, quite frankly, you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. And let me just tell you, you don't want to roll the dice thinking you'll always have tomorrow. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the scoffers in verses 3 and 4, saying, where is the promise of his coming? Our fathers, our grandfathers, they all said he was coming. He hadn't come yet. In other words, and he's not going to now either. You better be careful, because one day he actually will, and there will be a generation alive when that happens. You don't want to be caught at that time. Verse number 10 says, that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. I want you to look at three specific things with that. First, it will come. The day of the Lord will come. You can take it to the bank. It is a sure thing. It is a matter of more prophecy in the Scriptures than any other event in all the Scriptures. The first coming of Jesus Christ was prophesied by, let's just say, roughly 50 different prophecies concerning His first coming. The prophecies concerning his second coming are about 500. It is a sure thing. It will come. I want you to notice that it says, let's emphasize the word come. It will come as a thief in the night. In other words, this deals with the entrance of the kingdom. It deals with how it commences, how it starts, right? In other words, when it comes, right, this is how it's going to come. How's it going to come? It's going to come as a thief in the night, as a thief in the night. Now you may be familiar with John chapter 10 where it says the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy and it's referring to the devil. And yet Jesus is going to come as a thief. How is it that Jesus is compared to a thief? Do you remember the two guys that were on the crosses next to Jesus? The two thieves on the cross next to Jesus? Listen, Jesus Christ is not stealing something when he comes that doesn't belong to him. What he's going to do is reclaim that which was stolen from him. What he's going to do is recapture that which truly belongs to him. And he's going to come as a thief in the night. The thing I want you to see this in your notes is the warning is that there will be no warning. As a thief in the night. Undetected. When you least expect it. Under the cover of darkness. And since you can't expect it or can't know when, well, there's urgency, isn't there? There's urgency. Let me ask you a question. Really? Okay, forget the second coming literally. In our context, let's just talk about the rapture of the church because truly, if somebody's heard the gospel and misses the rapture, well, they're toast. There's no hope for them. I could prove that biblically. There's no hope for you if you reject the gospel now and think you're going to get a second chance. And so... Let me just ask you a question, seriously. I mean, this afternoon, uh, we're scheduled to go to three grad parties. Okay, this is grad party season, right? Everybody's got plans for the summer. Everybody's got plans for, let me just ask you something. Do you really, I mean really, do you really expect the Lord to call you home this afternoon? You really? I think that most of us, if we were honest, we'd say, yeah, not really. Well, you know what, if that's true of you, and it probably is true of a lot of us, you know what, that'd be a good day then, wouldn't it? It'd be a good day for it, wouldn't it? 
I mean, if you don't expect it, right? Well, that's the way the second coming is going to be. Uh, I want you to notice with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the only other New Testament passage that deals with this exact same context. I'm going to read several verses. Just follow along. 1 Thessalonians 5. But of the times and seasons, brethren, by the way, as I read this, please do yourself a favor. I want you to notice, okay, the pronoun shift. What is that? I just finished school. Holy cow. Okay, the pronouns, right, the personal pronouns, I, you, they, we, us, them, y'all, personal pronouns. I want you to notice how the pronouns in this narrative shift, which change the audience. At some points he says, we, us. At other times he says, they, them. If you don't notice when he's referring to we or us and when he's referring to them, you're going to miss the whole teaching. Okay, so just notice that as we read. But of the times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For you, church, yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they, okay, the non-saved people, when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, see the shift, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief, the day of the Lord. Ye are all children of the light and children of the day, praise the Lord. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Let us not, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, they, remember, that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, see the shift back and forth, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us, church, to wrath. The wrath of God is what's poured out on this earth during the time of tribulation, immediately following the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church of Jesus Christ, thank the Lord, is taken out before that time. He's not appointed. This is the greatest verse in the New Testament as to why the church is taken out before the tribulation. Hallelujah. That doesn't mean you won't have troubles. It doesn't mean that you won't have some tribulation in your life, but you won't go through the tribulation, the wrath of God. God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. So the subject of the day of the Lord should not bring fear into your heart personally if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. You should be comforted to know your place. But yet at the same time, it should bring an urgency to motivate you, right? To tell your friends, tell loved ones that they need to get on board before it's too late. Because it will commence, and when it does, it's going to happen so quick. Similarly, about the rapture, it talks about, you know, in, in, the, in the twinkling of an eye, in just a moment, it's just, we're going to be gone. And your friends who maybe have heard the gospel and just rejected it, well, they're going to go through the tribulation. They're going to take the mark of the beast. They're going to end up in the lake of fire. Man, this is going to happen, and it's going to happen quick. 6,000 plus, maybe a little, 
years. We have been on this planet and a day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. He's trying to warn us. That's why he said, listen church, of the times and the seasons, I don't need to tell you about that. You know, you already know. We have been warned. Literally, we have. Back to 2 Peter 3 and verse number 10. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, it says, in the witch, in the witch. Let me just say this briefly, that throughout the time of the 1,000-year day of the Lord, upon the literal, physical, bodily return of Jesus Christ to earth, Jesus Christ is physically present, as we said. He's ruling over all the earth. It is a theocracy. It is a monarchy. He is the king. He's ruling from his throne in the new temple that will be built in Jerusalem. We, church of Jesus Christ, will rule and reign with him in glorified bodies, possessing government positions over this physical creation and over regular physical humans that survive the tribulation and enter into the kingdom. And can I tell you, that dependent upon your faithful service to the Lord now will determine how much God can trust you with in his governmental structure then for 1,000 years. So he that is faithful in a little will be faithful in much. And that's the idea. Let us be found faithful in the little in which we have today, amen, so that we can be faithful of much at that time as well. So, it is a day of rest, this thousand-year kingdom. That's what it says about the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested, right? Why is it a day of rest, this millennial kingdom? Well, Satan is bound in a bottomless pit for the duration. It's a day of true peace. Nations are going to get along. Nature is going to be restored with no curse. And it's coming soon. So tell your friends about Jesus. Tell them about salvation now while you still have time. Motivation number two, accountability. This is the culmination of the day of the Lord. The culmination of the day of the Lord. Where it says the heavens shall pass away and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Let's get the slide with the elements. Hey guys, how about this? We got English lessons, we got math, and we're doing chem. This is, I mean, you ain't finding a lot of churches like this. Listen. This is called the periodic table of the elements in which the elements will melt with fervent heat. So I just did a quick little Google search. Which of these elements has the highest melting point? Jot down what you think your answer is. Ding, 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 ding. The real answer is of the known elements, because they're kind of making up new ones, you know, of the known elements, the highest melting point, you might not be surprised, to be carbon. You burn everything else up, it seems to turn to carbon, right? Carbon melts in excess of 6,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So the burning up of the earth will be at least that hot. It'll be at least that hot. Listen, man, the Bible is a practical, practical book. But this occurs at the end of the 1,000-year period. This is the culmination of it all. This is the end of the seventh day. The day of the Lord, the seventh day, is the seventh dispensation. Everything is not perfect yet throughout the time of the 1,000 years until the end. 
because seven is the number of completion, and God completes his work with seven. And eight, in God's economy, is a new beginning. And so we go into the new heaven and the new earth, as we saw previously. In your notes, at the end of the millennium, God will avenge all evil. That is what we are referring to here. According to the Bible, just before the end of this time, Satan will be loosed for a little while. We see that in Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 and 8, where it says that when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. He'll go out and deceive the nations and cause a rebellion. There will be one last, may I add, unsuccessful rebellion, which is referred to as Gog and Magog, right? This is why the seventh day of the kingdom cannot be eternity, and it is not completely perfect, and it is not heaven, because there is still wickedness deep in the heart of man. So Revelation 20, verses 9 and 10 continue and talk about how God puts down this rebellion. Fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil is cast into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are, and they're tormented there forever. The day of the Lord is the main subject of prophecy. It's the main subject of prophecy. It just so happens that we are on the threshold of it all occurring. If you come here faithfully, I hope that you'll mark your calendars for October 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, in which we will have a Bible conference again, the Certainty Conference, the main subject of which will be the details of prophecy. We don't have time to get in all of that here, and it wouldn't be prudent to do so. Plan to come and learn the details of all the events of the timeline of prophetic future, October 1st through the 4th. Let me give you a few of the prophecies from the Old Testament. We could read for hours. I want you to see a few. Jeremiah 46, verse 10. For this is the day of the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance, that he may avenge him of his adversaries. And the sword shall devour, and it shall be satiate, and made drunk with their blood. For the Lord God of hosts hath a sacrifice in the north country by the river Euphrates. Isaiah 13, verse 6. Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. There shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate. He shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. The Lord is long suffering, but there will come a day when he will say, Enough. Isaiah 34, verse 8, For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance, and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. And the streams thereof shall be turned into pitch, and the dust thereof into brimstone. And the land thereof shall become burning pitch. It shall not be quenched night nor day. The smoke thereof shall go up forever. From generation to generation it shall lie waste. None shall pass through it forever and ever. Amos 5.18 Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him. That's a bad day. <laughs> or went into the house and leaned on his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. 
Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? We could go on and on and on with Old Testament prophecies of the day of the Lord. It is coming. It is a day of judgment. It is a day of giving account. But some say, well, I'm still skeptical. That's why the Lord said in Isaiah 34, 16, we read Isaiah 34, 8 through 10, Isaiah 34, 16, seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. No one of these shall fail. None shall want her mate, for my mouth it hath commanded, and his spirit it hath gathered them. Now listen, if you are ignorant of these things, it is because you are willingly ignorant of these things. But you don't have to be friends because you can seek out the book of the Lord and read and be warned and know. You want to study this subject in more detail? Then sign up for some of the Bible study classes we offer. Come to some of the classes we do. Sign up for some of the advanced discipleship that we do. We'll take you into some of these things. Going back to your notes, it's, this is the timing of the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment. Back to Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose faith, face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. This is at the end of the 1,000 years. From whose face the Lord, the earth and the heaven just fled away and there was no place found for them. As we read and it hinted at in some of the prophecies, all space will be gone. The sun, the moon, the stars, gone. All matter will be gone. The elements burned up. The earth flees away. It's all going to be gone. And you know what's going to be left? Just you and God in the vast nothingness that's left face to face giving an account it's all gone it's all temporary it's all done and the Lord will look at those people that are there that day and say it's me and you give an account give an account it's judgment day going back to 2nd Peter chapter 3 and talking about these things will be burned. And it says, The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So all of the stuff that we work so hard to obtain, gone. And all the things that you so enjoy spending your time doing, gone. So that's why Paul says to us in 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And Jesus says it this way in Matthew six nineteen: Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You ever notice that? Your heart follows your treasure. So don't heap up for yourselves treasures here 
it's all going to be burned up. Heap up for yourselves treasures there, and it will survive. At the end of time, everything is going to be judged. Back to Revelation chapter 20, we left off at verse 11, verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works, and all found wanting, I might add. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever, notice, was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The heaven and the earth flee away. It's all gone in an instant. There's a vast nothingness, and it's just you and God, and all he really cares about is your name written in the book of life. If it is, you're good. And if it's not, mm. So let me just ask you a question, and we're done. What are you investing your time and money and energy toward? Hey, high school kids, graduates, right? You've got great plans. You've got ideas. And likely they are including success, money, comfort. It doesn't have to be evil. Please don't just pursue those things. Please pursue things that last forever. That's all that really matters anyway, isn't it? Parents of graduates. That could apply to all of us, right? It doesn't matter. I leave you with a quote, one of my favorites, C.T. Studd, a 19th century, one of the early missionaries only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So as you consider these things, will you consider what the Lord has for you? What is your motivation? Is there an urgency to get the word? How about maybe you've never known that you've received Christ. Man, today can be that day. Maybe you know you have. Are you urgent to tell other people? And now what about the accountability? Yes, this is for others who are not in the church, but we also as a church, we have an accountability coming for our lives. Does that motivate you? It motivates me. The fear of the Lord motivates me. I'm going to give you a chance to respond. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together.